How's everybody doing? Yeah, I'm going to take a quick second and let Ken know that my batteries just died on my monitor. So uh, fun for him. Sorry about that. Hey, uh, we um, just have a few things uh, that I wanted to let you know, some things that are happening around here. Um, we've got a lot of things going on right now. Isn't that a great thing? We've got a lot of things going on. Uh, first off, there's Connect cards in the chairs in front of you. Feel free if you want to, you can use them, scan the QR code, but just kind of let us know you're here. Let us know if you uh, have any prayer requests or anything. It's just a way for you to be able to connect with us and us to be able to connect with you. And you can leave them there. You can leave them in the back. You, like I said, you can scan them and do it that way. So that's just a great way. Um, second off, if you, uh, if you missed communion, there is communion uh, kind of everywhere around. So in the back, feel free to go grab that. We're going to have that towards the end of the service. And uh, you can uh, go grab that now. Also, um, do you guys, I hope you enjoy the uh, praise that happens here on stage. Uh, there's a lot of songs maybe that you've heard, some of them you haven't heard, but we uh, are starting a Spotify playlist. We started one. So you can listen to some of these songs, maybe hear some of them uh, before we even do them on stage so you can know them. Uh, there's Sometimes it happens, people will be like, well, what was that song? Well, you can go on there and maybe find it as well. So if you want to join us and kind of worship with us in that way, um, you can scan the QR code, you can search for it, but it's just Southwoods Worship. Um, there's a new plan, reading plan, Bible reading plan that's going to be starting tomorrow. This one, we're going to be going through the book of Ecclesiastes for uh, just a few days, about 12 days, and then we're going to go on to another one. But I encourage you to join us. You can, once again, scan the QR code there. You can go to that, uh, that um, little link there. But if you want to connect, uh, just let me know. 
and, uh, and I can help you get connected with that. Also, we have a text line that we really haven't used for a while. It's, it's been used for um, some emergencies there for a while. We used it some during COVID, but we're going to be using that maybe more on a weekly basis. Uh, just to kind of let you know of, of one, one thing here, that one thing there that, um, that's coming up that we uh, can encourage you with or things that can be going on. Um, and we'll still use it for emergencies. If you want to uh, do that, if you want to join in, we encourage you to be a part of that text line so you can uh, know of some things coming up. You can also go into the back. There's a computer, and uh, you can use that to to pull to go and find it and to, to get yourself set up. It's just a code that you put in, and you can self-select in and self-select back out. So I encourage you to do that. It's just, by the way, it's a one-way communication. You're not going to get all of a sudden a bunch of texts that just happened. It's not a group text. It's one-way communication where you can just be notified of some of these things. Um, also, today after service, we're going to be having a, a middle school, high school lumberjack party complete with a big lumberjack breakfast. So um, we encourage any students in middle school and high school to come join us up in the student center after. One more thing as far as uh, just some things that are going on is uh, this Friday, there's a winter jam here. It's a big concert. If any of you are interested, um, we're going to be doing uh, some tickets. You can find me afterwards. I'm going to buy them tomorrow. So if you're interested, just talk with me after service today. And you can come join us. It's like 40 bucks. You get in early and find your own seats. Like You get better seats that way. But it's a great lineup, so we would love to, uh, uh, to participate in with you with that. So if you want to come. Um, also, there are some ways to give. Uh, you can see there on the, on the screen. Ways that you can continue to bless others through your service, through giving here at Southwoods. And we encourage you to do that for the regular ministries that we do as well as the, the missions that we serve. Um, it's, it's God's commanded us to do it. And I encourage you to do that, not because just for Southwoods, but because of the blessing that you receive in being able to give. Let's pray, and then uh, we're going to continue on here. Dear Father, thank you so much for this, this morning, this day that we get to worship. These are not promised us, but we get the opportunity to do this, and we thank you for that, not even not alone, but together. What a blessing it is to have uh, brothers and sisters to, to stand alongside and to worship and to serve together and to glorify you. Lord, I pray that this morning our, our worship is is beautiful to you, not because of the voices that we sing or anything, but because of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you humble our hearts, that we listen to you, and that we worship you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can everybody stand up and we're going we're gonna to sing a joyful noise.
every doubt and fear Must bow down when you're surrounded All darkness, all bondage, all sorrow Falls underneath my feet, we sing out Hallelujah, King Jesus, you've won it all for me Oh,
raise your hands with me and sing sing it together. Dull darkness, all bondage, all sorrow falls underneath my feet. We sing out, hallelujah, King Jesus, you've won it all for me. that up with a shout. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to continue on here.
Are you blessed this morning? All right, share that blessing with others. Let's greet each other. going to continue worshiping here this morning and just thanking God for all that he has done because he is the one who is the he makes the way for us you know I think I'll just be personal with me so often I think about that the fact that I think that if I am worthy enough if I do the right things or if I work hard or whatever else it is that maybe God will find me worthy enough to love me And I don't know about you, but it's a trap that I think so many of us can fall into. In our small group, we've been going through Romans. And it's just reminding me that there is nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He loves you the way you are, but he refuses to let you stay that way. He wants so much better for you. But the beautiful thing is that it has nothing to do with all the good things you do or all the bad things that you do. It's not you that makes the way. It is God that makes the way through for you through Jesus. And that is why we are worshiping here this morning. If it was up to you and the things that you do, there is no purpose in being here today, is there? But it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the Savior who came to earth and who, who took the place of us. We receive his gift, his blessing, and he receives our curse. So this morning, I pray that we worship that And let's praise the one who is the way maker.
never stop, you never stop working. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Lift it up, and you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you Dear Father, thank you so much for the gift that you have given us with the blood of your Son. And Lord, let us not take that for granted, but let us be thankful for that. Let us be people who internalize that and appreciate that. And let us live our lives in thankfulness of that. In Jesus' name, amen. I normally would have you sit right now, but this song you just can't sit to. So I'm going to have you stay standing until after we're done with this song. See what I mean? If you know the song, go ahead and sing with it. Sing with us. This day, our daily bread. 
Let's lift that up to God. Woo! You can be seated. Isn't that a great song? That was really weak. Isn't that a good song? I love that song, and uh, for those of you who were with us last week, you know that that was essentially the text of last week's message. And so if you missed last week's message, would encourage you to go out and go on our Facebook page. Thank you, our website. Uh, you can go out there and see um, last week's message. And I, not, not because I did it. I really believe it, it can, will bless your prayer life. It'll bless your life. It's the Lord's Prayer. That's the whole focus of it. Uh, add this song. It'll be on the Spotify list that, that uh, Cody or, or Tara, one of them, mentioned earlier. Uh, just just uh, listen to it and just allow God to help, help you in your prayer life. I think it, I think it will be a blessing to you. Uh, today we're going to continue our series on the prayers of Jesus. My name is Greg Monaghan. If you happen to be new today, uh, thrilled that you're here. I'm the pastor here. But uh, we're talking about the prayers of Jesus, and today we're talking about the other Lord's Prayer. Last week was the Lord's Prayer. This week is the other Lord's Prayer. And some of you are thinking to yourself, I know there was another Lord's Prayer. And there actually is, but it's maybe not what you thought of. And, uh, and maybe it's unfamiliar to some of us, and others of us maybe we are familiar with it, but need to be reminded uh, of it. And so uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. Before we dive into it, though, I want you to think with me about this. And I'm picking up guitar picks. Sorry. Uh, if you had the opportunity to ask the greatest golfer to give you some coaching on how to putt or how to drive a golf ball, would you be interested? Most of us would. I play poor putt-putt golf. I could, I could use help. Uh, if you could ask the greatest chef to teach you how to cook, or if you could ask the greatest money manager to teach you how to invest and and uh, protect your investments and grow your investments in this world. Wouldn't you be interested? Of course you would. I mean, every one of us would. We'd be eager to hear what the expert had to say and then eager to put into practice at least whatever it was that the expert said that we thought had relevance to us, right? This is what we do. We'd be, we'd be eager to listen, eager to do something with it. Well, friends, you have to understand today's message... Almost all of the messages around here, the greatest expert on the subjects of prayer and godliness and unity and pleasing our Heavenly Father and the spiritual life, the greatest expert in all of time and history, visible and invisible, the greatest expert on all of this is communicating to us through this book wisdom and insight for how to build our lives, how to build our culture, how to, how to live life in a way that really matters, a way that lasts eternally and has significance. So if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to look at one of the prayers of this great expert, Jesus. And I really hope that you'll listen to it. We analyze and understand the Lord's Prayer. I want you to analyze and reflect on the other Lord's Prayer today and in the days ahead. Open your Bible, if you have it with you, to John 17 in the New Testament. Jesus has so much that he teaches in this passage. And I would just tell you right off the bat, there is absolutely no way we will exhaust or even get close to covering most of what Jesus addresses in this particular prayer. But I want you to be familiar with it. You need to be familiar with this prayer. The setting of this prayer, it takes place 
in the upper room. Some of you are familiar with the upper room. It's where Jesus and his disciples gathered to celebrate the last supper, the, the last Passover before Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And truthfully, this prayer is somewhat lengthy. Kind of like my sermon last week. Kind of lengthy. My sermon last week freaked out because we had computer issues, and I thought I had more time than, than I did. So I apologize. Apologize. And, uh, and our tech people apologize too. But because um, they led me astray. I told them, I said, this is one that I can't, compl- that I can't, that I can't take full responsibility for. <laughs> not true. Not true. I still look at my own watch. I'm capable of that. But what I want you to see is that this morning's prayer and what we're going to learn from Jesus here in the upper room, it's, it's somewhat lengthy, it's somber. What does that mean for most of us? In our culture, anything lengthy, what do we do? Whoop! We go to our happy place mentally. Six seconds or more, you know, it's kind of like we're, we get foggy uh, from a concentration standpoint generally. And if it's somber... You know, just kind of a serious thing. Sometimes we don't want to think about that either because every time you turn on the news, it's kind of like, ugh, it's depressing. So we just kind of, we just don't want to tune in. Friends, you have to understand, I I really want to challenge you to listen close this morning to Jesus' prayer, to this, this scripture text, because it gives us a glimpse into the mind and heart of Jesus roughly an hour and a half or two before his betrayal. We don't think of it this way. But John 17 is a prayer that Jesus prays. It's the last thing he prays before they leave the upper room. And they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays more. You would expect it to be a somber time because he knows what's coming. He knows it. It's really important that we know what Jesus is thinking about and what's what's resonating in his spirit before He gives his life for us. And so this, so much of that is is contained in this passage. And my hope is that you'll listen really closely. Now, before we read it, Jesus had just finished explaining to the 11 of his disciples what was about to happen. He was telling 11 of them, 10 plus 1, right? Where was number 12? He'd already left. Why? To go betray Jesus. He'd already left. So he's talking to the 11 who were faithful, the leaven who were sincere followers of his. And this is what he prayed. It, scripture says, John 17, verse 1, after saying all these things, which he's just been talking about what was about to happen, the scripture says, Jesus looked up to heaven and said and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I've passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. 
My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. And all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They're staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with joy. I've given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. And I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they may be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they'll all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them. And I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Now this prayer of Jesus, as I was conveying a few minutes ago, it is rich with wisdom and insights of all kinds. It's rich for those of us who want to learn, learn from and follow Jesus. But there is absolutely no way, after you, after you listen to it, there's absolutely no way I can even come close to conveying everything Jesus is saying here. So my encouragement to you is listen for the next few minutes as I walk you through a few highlights of some insights from Jesus' prayer that have significant implications for us, insights that are worthy of a response on our part, worthy of reflection from us. But when I'm done, I'm hopeful that you'll take this passage and you'll live with it for a few days, that you'll read it, read it through a few times. And just reflect deeply on what Jesus is saying here. Because there's much that's significant here. But for the next few moments, I just want to highlight a few insights from Jesus' prayer. And as we get started in this prayer, we get some significant insights about time. Some significant insights about time. Where's that? Some of you are thinking. It's in verse 1. It's the very first verse. 
I could preach an entire sermon just from this phrase, as you'll see. But Jesus begins his prayer by saying, John 17, 1, it's really short. Just read it out loud with me. Father, the hour has come. The hour has come, Jesus says. That was a statement totally pregnant with meaning. Pregnant with like quadruplets or more. This is, this is not just a baby. It, it is absolutely full of meaning. Since paradise, when all was lost in the Garden of Eden, all of history had been inexorably marching towards this moment in history. I mean, this, this was the hinge point of all time and eternity. This was not just any moment. This was the moment, the hour, the hour when the serpent's head would be crushed like Genesis 3 promised. It was the hour when death would be defeated. It was the hour when eternal life would be restored finally to faith-filled children of God. It was the hour when Jesus would be glorified again as he was previously glorified before the world began. Did you notice that as we read that? But first, it was the hour when darkness would reign and the sinless Son of God would have to suffer and sacrifice Himself as a ransom for all of us. This was a moment unlike any other in all of history. This was the moment that Bethlehem pointed to. We think Christmas is a big deal. It is. It points to this. The angels, remember they tell us, he came, he was born, why? To die. It pointed to this moment. Several years ago, Lori and I vacationed in Alberta, Canada. We enjoy beautiful spots, and this was one of our favorite trips that we've ever done was up in uh, Alberta, Canada. I don't know if you've ever been up that way or not, but it's just spectacular. We visited a place called the Icefields Parkway, or, or drove the Icefields Parkway. We ended up at the Columbia Icefield. There's a picture of the Columbia Icefield. It's just a spectacularly beautiful, amazing. The, the picture does not do justice to the massiveness of this, uh, of this ice field there. The, the, the ice field is 125 miles square. It's just, you climb up, it's just massive sheet of ice. And to give you an idea of how, what a pivotal location this is on the planet, is it has like 320 to 1200 feet of snow pack and when that snow melts, the water, depending on where it is on the, the ice sheet, it goes either to the Arctic Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, or the Pacific Ocean from this location. It's quite literally what scientists tell us is a watershed. It's a, it's a pivotal point. When water melts, it begins a journey, no matter what it wants to do, that's going to take it one of three places. It has no choice in the matter. It's going to happen. The Arctic, the Atlantic, or the Pacific, argue all you want, that's where it's going. Friends, just as that's true for water in this location, 
you and I have to understand that the death, burial, and resurrection Jesus was a watershed moment for every single human being who ever lives, ever has lived, ever will live. It's all of history marched to this moment and is influenced by this moment, whether we want it to or not. We can, we can argue about it. We can pretend it doesn't exist. But the fact of the matter is we are all faced with a choice because of this moment, this hour in Jesus' life. Will we believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the son of the living God, savior of the world, giving his life to die as a substitute for your sins and mine? Will we believe that or will we not? Neutrality is not an option because of who Jesus is, because of what he endured, because of this moment. There are real eternal consequences for this choice as well. So Jesus prays in verse 3 about that because, as you would imagine, a loving God, this is concerning to him. So he prays in verse 3, this is the way to have eternal life because, friends, this is why he came. He came to restore all of this. I mean, this is why. So he says, this is the way to have eternal life. It's to know you. It's to know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, we read a passage like that, a verse like that, and it can sometimes escape us the significance of what Jesus is saying here. But hear me on this. The key to eternal life, what's he say it is? Knowing, knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ, knowing Him. It's not church attendance. It's not baptism. It's not being nice and polite to people. It's not being generous to the people who are needy around you. According to Jesus, the way to have eternal life is to know you, the only true God, which implication is there are many false ones. There are many who, who masquerade as other God, but there is one true God and Jesus Christ who the Father sent to earth. Eternal life is intertwined with knowing him. So my question, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? And notice what I did not ask. I did not ask you, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about God? Jesus doesn't say eternal life is, is, is the way to eternal life is to know about the only true God. He didn't say that. I know about Patrick Mahomes. Right? Do I know Patrick Mahomes? No, no. I'd like to, but I don't. Okay? You see the difference? There's a difference. We get this. But sometimes on spiritual things, when it comes to Jesus, we get fuzzy in our minds about this. It's not enough to know about Jesus. The whole world knows about Jesus and goes right on doing whatever they want to do. They don't know Jesus. It's a difference. 
It's all about relationship. That's the difference. Are you in a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a friendship with him? And you think, how do I begin a relationship with another human being who has flesh and blood, skin on them that I see face to face? What do you do? You, you invite them into your life to, spend, you, to get to spend some time together, right? Now you learn about one another in the process, but you invite them into your life as the beginning point. That's the starting point. Have you invited Jesus into your life? Or is he just a bunch of facts? Bible facts that you know. Stories from back when. And you think to yourself, maybe even true stories, but they're facts. Friends, the hour has come for you and me to move beyond facts to a relationship with Jesus. All of that and more that I'll spare you from this morning was tied up in John 17, 1, when he says, Father, the hour has come. All of time and eternity is pointing to this moment. And every one of us has our moment. Will you invite Jesus into your life so you have a relationship with the living God? He died. He was resurrected. He ascended to the Father so he could send the Holy Spirit, which is his spirit that will dwell in the heart and the life of every faith-filled follower of Jesus if you invite him into your life. And he, through his word, will teach you about him and teach you to know him. Will you just invite him in? Just invite him in. You know what Southwood's mission statement is? Some of you do. I'll talk about it probably enough, but let me just show you what Southwood's mission is. Southwood's Christian Church exists to, notice the first part, to assure you opportunities, what's it say? To know God. This has been our mission statement since the earliest days of the church. Why? Because the ball game is do you know God and does he know you? That's it. And not who you wish God was, or want to believe that he is, but who he really is as is communicated in his word. It's the hour where we all have to come. So much more could be said about that, but you know, we want to help you get to know God and become a fully devoted follower of Christ and discover God's purpose for your life as well. But all we can do is offer you opportunities. That's why it's worded the way it is. We offer you opportunities. We can't make you do it. We won't make you do it. But we'll plead with you. We'll plead with you to get to know Jesus because that is the difference between winning and losing. 
You know, in this prayer, in John 17, we get several other significant insights, more than I have time to go through, but we get some significant insights about Jesus' name. We sang so many songs this morning about the power of Jesus' name. Just beautiful songs, absolutely right on from a, a scriptural doctrinal standpoint. But I want you to look, if you have your Bible, look there in John 17, verse 12. If you don't have it, it's not going to be on the screen because I didn't get it to our tech people. But verse 12 says this, During my time here, Jesus is praying, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. But here's what I want you to think about this morning. There is power and protection in the name of Jesus. There is provision in the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven, scriptures tell us, by which man, a woman, boy or girl can be saved but the name of Jesus. And it's no coincidence that the Hebrew name that Mary gave her little boy, baby Jesus, was Yeshua, because you know what Yeshua means in Hebrew? Salvation. Savior. I mean, literally, every time you read in the Old Testament, you go back and you read through the Psalms, and God has given us salvation. In the Hebrew, it says God has given us Yeshua. Jesus, there is power to defeat evil. There is, there is more power, I am convinced, than we have any comprehension of because literally the scriptures say that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and don't ask me what that means entirely because it means more than just somebody who died. It certainly means that, but it probably means more than that, knowing what Scripture teaches about things. Every, every, every realm of existence in the heavens and on earth and under the earth, everybody is going to confess Jesus is Lord. And every knee is going to bow. Philippians 2. Go read it if you haven't read it lately. There is power in the name of Jesus, and it was by his name, Jesus says, through his prayers, that he kept the disciples safe. They were protected. They were provided for. Well, coaching on prayer for all of us, we probably ought to be praying in the name of Jesus. It's become vogue in our culture right now. Have a prayer time, and it's just like all prayers are equal, is how we think in our culture, because we don't want anybody to be offended. But if I'm praying in, in, in culture, who am I praying to? There's only one person in the heavens who you and I are safe to pray to. It's the name of Jesus. There is power, protection, provision. In the name of Jesus. Say the name with me. Just, I want to help us. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say it a little stronger. Jesus. Jesus. The scriptures are clear. If we had time, I could take you to a lot of other places. Demons run and flee at the name of Jesus. It's understandable that evil doesn't like the name of Jesus. So should we be surprised that in a culture that's not devoted to Jesus, to God himself, 
that there would be those who would be uncomfortable when you mention the name? That's what you call, duh, that's what that is. But if we who are followers of Jesus are reluctant to even say the name, who loses? The answer is everyone. Not just us, but everyone. Because there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which somebody can be saved. No other name but Jesus. Jesus is alluding to that, kind of addressing that, even in this passage. He hits it a lot other places too, Scripture does, but when you pray, it's insight about prayer. Pray and use the name of Jesus gratuitously. Throw it all over the place. Why? Because you're praying for people to be healed. You're praying for people healed of cancer. You're praying for people to get jobs. And they, Do you want them to have jobs? Who's going to give them a job potentially? Jesus, he's the one who orchestrates all things in the invisible realm. So are you with me? We just need to remember the name of Jesus as we pray. Jesus is even himself alluding to it. John 17, we get some insights that are significant about us and what Jesus wants for us. I want you to listen to verse 20 of his prayer. He prays this. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, which just pause for a second. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the 11, right? They're, they're there in the upper room. I'm not only praying, Father, for these 11 sitting here before me, but also he goes on and says, for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who is that? Us. It's all of us. Praying for all of those who will ever believe in me through their message, which just means if he's praying for us, note to self, I probably ought to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. He goes on, he says, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I mean, Jesus' request is that we'll be one. He longs for believers, for Christians in particular, because remember, he's not praying for the world. He even specifies that. Who am I praying for? Those who are following me. This is what he's praying for here. And in this specific instance, he's praying for those of us who come to believe because of the message, the testimony of the disciples themselves. He wants us to be united, to be one. But here's the thing. I want you to understand what kind of unity Jesus is driving at here. He's not just driving it, all of us being together and singing kumbaya, and we're all, we're all happy because everybody's wonderful. And this is not what he's driving at here. He's praying that, that they'll experience oneness with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's praying that there'll be oneness with each other relationally and spiritually. He's praying that there'll be oneness in the Father's love and purpose. And if we had time, we could look at other passages that just convey the sort of the beauty of what that looks like. Now, I want you to think about something with me. Have any of you ever prayed and had a prayer that had not been answered? Had a prayer. You had an unanswered prayer. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, fess up. Let's be honest. We've all had unanswered prayers, things that we asked for that 
that don't happen. And we all know how unanswered prayer works just in an ultra-simplistic way. God says yes. God says no. Not yet, maybe, right? Maybe. Maybe he'll answer it. Or not yet. Wait. Those are things he says. I want you to see something here. Even Jesus know what it's like to have an unanswered prayer. Jesus understands it. He knows what it's like to pray for something that you literally spend decades waiting for your prayer to be answered. Are Christians all over the world united? That's a dumb question, isn't it? You know what the answer is? Not yet. The answer is not no. The answer is not yet. Because Scripture is really clear that a day is coming when Christ's body, His bride, will become beautiful and will be a united body. But right now, it's a divided body. It's sort of like this church that I ran across here recently. I've got a picture of it for you here. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's a divided church. I thought I had a picture of it. There it is. There it is. You can go to Austria today and you can visit this church. And literally, it's, uh, it's, it, it, the church is hundreds of years old. It started out, that was a path, just like a dirt path. And it was kind of under an arch. But the church was one building, a little arch. And the dirt path went by, and then as time passed, and the, the road got bigger and the bigger. So now, now you got the preacher who preaches from the right side, and the people sit on the left side, and literally you'll have you know trucks with produce on it drive between the buildings sometimes during church, and everybody just knows to pause, and then the service continues. You know, I don't know what they do when it's, it's like singing. I suppose they sing louder or something, but but that's that's the thing. But it's kind of a picture of what the church looks like in our world today. It's it's divided. Sometimes it's divided because you have leadership in one area and the congregation in another area. Some, some churches are divided that way. Sometimes they're divided over theology. Sometimes they're divided over a whole lot of things. But the moral of the story is that it's divided. But Jesus' prayer in verse 21 is that believers will become one. And that prayer will be answered Certainly when he returns, if not before. And one of the keys to unity within the body of Christ is this book. It is. It's key. It's foundational. Why is that so important? Because there will be no unity between humans unless and until there is unity between you and me and every individual and God himself. That's the beginning point. We've got to come into oneness with God the Father. It's no wonder that the, that the cross is a symbol of far more than just sacrifice and salvation, but it's, there's a vertical shaft of the cross conveying that, that we've got to become one with the Father. And as we become one with the Father and the Spirit of Christ fills us. We fundamentally become different people. He changes over time our desires, our wants, and, and we become more 
more able to obey the things that Jesus teaches us, that Scripture conveys to us. There's healing of body, soul, and spirit that happens as a result of that. And, and evil is cast out and driven out of our lives over time as we seek Him. But then as that happens, part of what it does is it creates space in our hearts and lives to begin to show kindness, love, mercy to the people who are all around us. We begin to reflect the grace, the mercy of Jesus in those ways. Jesus wants such perfect unity in us vertically and horizontally that the world knows God had to send Jesus because this could happen no other way. That's what he's praying for. So don't minimize or diminish the significance, the authority of this book in an effort to unite people. Don't minimize drawing close on your part, our part, to God either. I mean, it's so key. It is so key. Much, much more could be said from Jesus' prayer in John 17. I hope you'll read it again later. I hope you'll reflect through it more, but... I want to close with this. When Jesus finished praying, the Bible tells us in John 18, verses 1 and 2, Scripture says, After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Remember who that is? That's the Garden of Gethsemane. The text says, Judas, the betrayer, knew this place. Because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. And the text goes on to describe, if we had time to just read on through it, you'll find out that the hour of evil's reign began when he crossed the Kidron Valley and entered that garden grove. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, no less. So, something good used for something evil. Why would we be surprised to see good used for evil even in our day sometimes? This has been the way it's been ever since the garden. Text goes on to tell us how the disciples were scattered and Jesus was arrested. He was treated unjustly. He eventually was crucified on a cruel Roman cross. It was the hour when darkness reigned, and it was dark. Thankfully, evil didn't understand what was going on. Did not understand that his death was going to bring forgiveness, hope, eternal life for all who in recognition of it would humble themselves and seek him. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper in just a moment. It's an opportunity for every one of us to look heavenward and thank Jesus for what he endured for us. The bread is a symbol of his body nailed to the cross. The, the juice is a symbol of his blood which was shed, making atonement for the sins of all of humanity who would put their faith in him. And you and I know why Jesus would endure what he did. In our heart of hearts, we understand it. 
He did it because Jesus wants to know you. He wants relationship with you. And he just waits. Revelation 3.20 paints the picture of him standing at the door knocking, waiting, waiting for you and me to open the door and let him in. Just invite him in. As we share in the Lord's Supper this morning, I think the invitation of God to all of us is open the door of your heart and let Jesus in. If you'll let him in, you'll never be sorry that you did. And you'll never be the same in all kinds of good ways. Let's bow our heads and pray and then share in the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, your life, your death. We thank you for the power of your name. Thank you that you have made a way for us to enter into forgiveness and relationship with the Father in heaven. Thank you for your promise that if we'll seek you, we'll find you. If we'll humble ourselves before you, you'll lift us up. Call us your sons, your daughters. You'll adopt us into your family. We want you. We need you. In these moments, would you touch each one within the sound of my voice? And as they open their hearts to you, inviting you in, thank you for the promise that you'll enter in. Fill them with hope, salvation, grace, an awareness that they're loved beyond what they understand. Fill them with a future and a hope that transcends material things. And we'll all have you to thank. And we do thank you right now as we take these emblems. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
ask if you would, let's stand together before we close. I just want to encourage you a couple things. First off, I want to make a movie plug. Those of you who know me, I'm not a big movie fan. Um, but I saw a movie this past week that every one of us ought to see. Go see Jesus Revolution. Okay? Go see Jesus Revolution. If you go see it and you don't like it, come back to me and talk to me and we'll, we'll figure out how to compensate you for, for the great suffering you will have endured. But let me just say, it's, it's a great movie. It really is. It's more than a movie, really. It's a, I think it has the, the marks of the Holy Spirit all over it. So I encourage you, go see it, Jesus Revolution. Um, pass on Avatar, pass on, you know, what's it? Cocaine Bear, thank you. <laughs> pass on Cocaine Bear, all that other weird stuff that's, yeah, there's just so much of that anymore. Uh, need a little hope, a little inspiration, go see, go see Jesus Revolution. It'll bless you. Also, I just want to say, if you need prayer for anything afterwards, you know, we're going to be down here and be happy to pray for you. Maybe you got some job issues, maybe some health issues, maybe you got a relational uh, dysfunction somewhere in your family you just like somebody else to pray for. Uh, pray for you know, hear, hear somebody else verbalizing, kind of agreeing with you in prayer about that. Um, you know, we, we'd be happy to do that. And... Uh, just encourage you, invite Jesus to go with you today as you head out. Just invite him to fill you. And uh, let's pray, then we'll be dismissed. Glad you made it today. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone here on, online and on, on site. And just praise you, Father, for the gift that each one represents. None of them here by accident. There's a purpose and a plan of your spirit at work in our lives. We're, we're here today. And our request is, oh God, that you'll go with us, that you'll fill us that you'll strengthen us with the name of Jesus, that as we leave this place, um, the presence, the power, the protection, the provision, everything that is Jesus will just go with us. The love of Jesus would go with us and that you'd help us to represent him accurately, as accurately as we know how to do with the help of your spirit everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we do. We thank you, Lord, that you want to answer that prayer. So help us to that end. And Lord, we do pray for our nation, our world. We just ask God for a mighty move of your spirit in our world. Because apart from you being at work, we recognize that the world does not know you and they need to know you. There's been a watershed moment in history and eternity hangs in the balance, Lord. So please, reveal yourself throughout the earth. Help us to be a part of that. Go with us now as we leave this place. We dedicate our lives to you, Lord Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we all pray. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. Bless you all.